If you are ready to change the way people experience the transition to parenthood, you've come to the right place. On this podcast, we interview postpartum professionals, academics and researchers, as well as parents with unique perspectives on postpartum. Whether you've been working with new families for decades or are brand new to postpartum care, we'd love you to join us. I'm your host, Julia Jones. Okay, hello and welcome to the Newborn Mothers Podcast. Today I'm interviewing a good friend of mine, Dr. Mike, we call you. (laughs) Um, So Mike is my old Chinese medicine practitioner. So we've been taking our kids and and going to see him ourselves for many, many years. Um, But Mike, you've had a change of career. And the reason that I wanted to invite you on the show is because whenever I talk about newborn mothers, inevitably someone asks the question, what about dads? Yeah. And I get really tired of hearing about it because I, it's not that I don't care about dads, it's just not what I'm talking about today. And I don't feel that men always should be the centre of a story. Sometimes the story can also be about a woman um, as central, the central you know, protagonist. Um, but for some reason when the woman is the protagonist, then you get a lot of questions. So, you know, I feel frustrated to be pushed into talking about dads when I'm not a dad. So when I heard that you were really keen to talk about dads and could talk about dads all day, I was like, oh my gosh, that's it. Mike can come and be the one who can answer the question, what about dads? So here we are. Um, So your background is you're a dad, obviously. You uh, have studied and practiced Chinese medicine for many years and your your new work is called Good Blokes Co. and you're doing some becoming father programs that I've been a little bit involved with. So do you want to introduce yourself in your own words? Yeah. Thanks for having me. It's a really uh, favourite topic of mine, so I could talk for this all day. I'll try and uh, keep myself brief. Um, Yeah, so like you said, I practised Chinese medicine for 14 years until very recently. I've just closed my my practice. And as I said to you, I was studying for four years before that, so 18 years in the world of Chinese medicine. And over that journey, I've moved more and more towards uh, mental health as a passion and, and preventative medicine. And uh, I started to notice, particularly with men's mental health, that there's, there's a lot of blokes out there who are struggling and just not having conversations about it and not getting the support that they need. So about five, six years ago, I started sitting in, um, in men's groups just started to get involved and just to see what was happening there and realised that the that the need, I think, is is massive. So I really wanted to create something that was easy for blokes to get involved with. Um, so that's where uh, that's where Good Blokes Co came from. And I um, it, throughout over the last five years, I've done a lot of work in the in the rites of passage field as well. So I studied rites of passage with uh, Dr. Anna Rubenstein at the Rites of Passage Institute. I now work for him on his camps, and I, I build that into everything I do. So I do programs for boys. So becoming, excuse me, becoming a man, becoming a young man kind of programs, father son camps. I've got a mother son camp coming up too, um, and then and then groups uh, groups of men, and then and recently this idea that a friend and colleague of mine had, uh, Tully O'Connor, about, um, about having this uh, event for, for fathers, a, a one-day event to really connect to, to what is my vision for fatherhood, who do I want to become, and then how am I going to create that? So, yeah, it's a one-day event running into uh, what's well, supposed to be later in the year. It might be next year um, <laughs> with the whole coronavirus craziness. Um, a, a becoming father weekend uh, where, where blokes can come together and share their, their fears and concerns because blokes don't have a lot of places to talk about that and actually talk about their hopes and dreams. For some guys, 
talking about what, what they're really hoping for, what they're really aiming for is, is an even more difficult conversation than, than what they're really, really struggling with. So, yeah, super passionate about creating spaces for men to have those conversations so they can get, get clear on who they want to be as a father and, and how, they can, how they can be that. So, yeah. Yeah, I love that. I love that because one of my tags lines is be the mum you want to be, but no one ever talks about what kind of dad you want to be. It's, you know, you just kind of have a baby and it's just there. <laughs> yeah. Madness. You know, it's, it's almost like an accident, isn't it? It's just like, oh, here it is. What do I do next? So if you're, lucky, if you're lucky, your mates will take you to the pub and have a beer and great. Okay. You're a dad now. Way, way you go. And it's, it's such an important part of my identity. And most of the guys I talk to who are dads will say, oh, that's the most important thing in, in my life. And you ask, you ask a man on his deathbed, what was the most important thing to you? He'll, he'll typically say my partner, my kids, family. Um, yet we get so easily dragged into being obsessed with work and work and work and working long hours. And then on the weekend, we'll try and relax by playing 18 holes of golf. And it's like, well, hang on, where's the, where's the time spending doing the, doing the one thing I'm, I value more than anything else, which is my, my kids and my family. So yeah. yeah, creating spaces to have those conversations to make that happen. Yeah, I love that. So a little bit of background. I know that Tully asked you, where do I go? You know, you were both rites of passage practitioners. Where do I go for becoming a father? And you said, oh, there isn't really anywhere. Let's, let's yeah. do it. <laughs> yeah. um, so that's really cool. But I want to rewind a little bit too because you said you do some stuff about from boys becoming men. And I think that's really where fatherhood begins, you know. So what are the kind of things that we can do to support our sons um, now, you know, as young people before they're, before they're even thinking about fatherhood um, to kind of make that happen more easily later as well. Yeah, I think it's. I think you can look at it to, across the whole journey, and there's there's evidence that I've seen that suggests that that little baby boys uh, are more emotional creatures than baby girls on average, which is not the way we we think about these things. And we so quickly and so easily put um, boys into boxes. You know, this is okay for you. That is not okay for you. You will have the navy blue jumper and not the light light red one. Um, <laughs> And all these sorts of things, and and um, you know, really boxing boxing boys in. And and I'm not someone who who doesn't want boys and young men to be tough and strong and and dependable. Like I really want that. I want that for myself, and I want that for men in my lives. But there's a whole piece of us that that we're almost taught to deny. It's that that soft, tender, caring, uh, gentle part of ourselves that that I know that I have, and that I know that men have within them so i think as as young boys it's about teaching them yeah it's okay to be soft and tender and it's also good to be resilient and and reliable and i think we can hold both of those things and i think knowing ourselves emotionally as men actually allows us to be more reliable more resilient more accountable it's not it's not one taking away from from the other um, and then as, as boys move through that phase of, of adolescence, what I see is boys really wanting to pull away from their mums. And I think part of that's natural and creating ways for them to do that in a healthy way. Uh, it, it's really helpful to have solid men in their lives, whether that's their father or an uncle or other role models. I think that is hugely important for 13 year olds because a lot of them are learning about manhood from the internet, from gaming, um, sadly from pornography, from, from just, you know, our modern sort of TV shows and such things. Um, whereas they, they typically don't have a lot of good, solid, dependable, reliable, emotionally intelligent men in their lives. So that's a big part of what we create in our, our father-son camps. But there's also the other piece of, of boys pulling away from their mums is that 
they're seeing that being a man is about being tough, about being strong, about earning the money, about having all the babes. That those are the messages they're getting from from mainstream media. So there's there's almost an unhealthy pulling away from mum. Um, so I guess it's you know I talk about creating space. I guess what mums can do is create a really space, a really strong space for boys to be allowed to be to find that inner growing manhood, but also allow them to be soft and tender and tell them that that's okay as well. Sounds easy, doesn't it? (laughs) (laughs) It's always easy to say, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Harder to do. So, okay, so from a different perspective as a professional, so most of the people probably listening to this podcast are midwives or doulas, uh, work with mums in some professional capacity. What we often see is men uh, as fathers pulling away? You know, it's almost like that thing you were saying, pulling away from the mother, it really sounds to me the same, the thing that they do to their wife when a baby arrives. They lean into work, they start renovating the house, they get a promotion that means they have to travel more, you know, and not all dads are like this, but, you know, it's definitely a common challenge that we see. And a lot of the time the mums are just like, I just want you to be around more, I just want you here. Um, but because of all the stereotypes and the, you know, conditioning and also because of some of the kind of economic and social structures at play, it, it's hard for men to just be present um, in those early days of fatherhood. So I guess as professionals, as doulas, what can we do to support families through that? Yeah, gr- great question. There's a couple of things that pop up for me on that. Num- number one is that not all, men, not all men are like that, but I think all men feel that. I've spoken to a lot of guys who, you know, baby gets home and the and the wife's breastfeeding and or the partner, <coughs> excuse me, um, and you know, I, I don't, I don't, I can't lactate. I, I can't serve that sort of that that sort of need. So I kind of feel a little bit less able to connect in that way. But what I can do is I can do my job really well and I can provide for the family. So when someone offers me that promotion, that feels like a good way to be a dad for me. And because you know, as I was saying earlier, a lot of us get that tender, caring, gentle part of it's like denied. It's, it's like, you're not supposed to be that. I feel like we get messages for the first 30 years of our life, be tough, be strong, never show any signs of weakness. Don't be, don't back down, all of this sort of stuff. And then you've got a baby. Okay. Change the nappy and cuddle, cuddle and goo goo. And it's like, men, men have denied that part of themselves for a long period of time. So I think just acknowledging that it's that it's difficult to men for men to know um, how to get it right. They, they often feel very capable at work, uh, and they get into that that gentle, you know, holding a baby, crying baby kind of space. That's hard for a lot of men because a lot of them will feel like a failure, and that it'll feel very foreign in many ways. As yes, well as and that. connection from from their partner as well, who's who's less open to one on one physical intimacy. So they're feeling oh. Work's a place where I get valued, whereas home is a difficult space for me. So acknowledging the difficulty, I think, is a, is a huge start. Yeah, I think that's really true. And I think what happens is there becomes this wedge that just grows bigger and bigger because the more competent the mum gets, the more of a failure the dad feels. And, um, you know, I often say that you actually just need to give dad plenty of time alone with the baby without the mum hovering you know that's not the way you change the nappy don't you know what that cry means and you should have put him to bed hours ago you know but if you can just push mum out of the way a bit then it gives dad a chance to to learn that without being judged i 100 percent agree with that the, the the best moments of my of my early fatherhood was when i just literally would grab lily and disappear from the house for two or three hours um sarah wasn't big on on going out she had postnatal <laughs> depression in the early phases so 
I kept wanting to say, go and do things. Um, but she wasn't really into that. So I just had to wrap Lily up in a, in a sling and just walk. And we would walk for hours. And then as she got bigger, I would take her to the library and I would take her to the beach and I would take her to the park and I would do all of those things with her. And just really creating space for that one-on-one time allowed me to, allowed me to feel like I was, I was a dad. And, and I can guarantee you I wasn't doing as, as good a caring, uh, nurturing job as, as Sarah was, but I was having a crack. You know, and I think that's the um, I think that's the most important thing. Yeah, and that's how we learn, isn't it? You know, like you're saying, if a man's being conditioned not to be caring and nurturing for his whole life, how can you expect him to just like switch it on? Yeah, it's hard. It's it, it's difficult. And and yeah, like I said, I think the big thing is acknowledging like this might be hard for you. This is hard for a lot of guys. Um, but I know you have it in you because typically our intimate partners get to see that soft, uh, gentle, tender part of them, part of us as men. So they know that it's in there. Uh, maybe it's them who can, who can encourage us to, to, to bring it out and to, to practice mm. it. And possibly the only ones who've seen that part of you. Yeah. I think you um, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, and I interrupted you earlier. You had something else to say on what, what we as professionals can do to support families through. Um. I can't remember what the uh, what the the thread was there. That's, I, that's all right. Yeah, I mentioned the two things about um, you know work being a really capable space, mm. um, and then the sec- the second thing is around just that that conditioning of of you know soft gentle cuddliness gentle cuddliness is is not for you, and then all of a sudden it is, and yeah, so it's a it's a it's a trick, it's a challenge. Yeah, awesome, good. So I didn't interrupt you. You did manage to say both of those things. So the, the next thing I also wanted to know is the other big transition I feel like for couples when a lot of trouble can start between parents. I also just want to preface here that we are aware that not all families are a mum and a dad, but obviously if we're talking about dads, we're going to assume that there's some gender roles um, at play. I mean, and that might be an interesting conversation we can come back to too. What if it's two dads? Because that would look different. But for now, assuming it is a mum and a dad and the dad wants to go, um, sorry, and the mum wants to go back to work, that's generally the next big transition and conflict that I see as a professional when the woman's kind of like, all right, I'm, you know, I'm ready to do something else and the dad's kind of like, well, your wage wouldn't cover childcare, I can't go part-time, like, you know, like how, how do we actually make this happen? Um you know, or it can even be stressed the other way that the mum actually loves staying at home and wants to stay at home, but the dad's feeling like too much of a burden, you know, from financial pressure or that kind of thing. So, yeah, can you talk a little bit about that transition back to work? Yeah, I certainly hear a lot of guys talking about um, being being stuck in well-paid full-time, you know, the golden handcuffs it's often referred to as being, being stuck working long hours and earning good money and knowing that because you know, the, the, the other partner who's been looking after the kids has sacrificed her, her income and her career trajectory for a few years. She's got to come back in at a, at a lower level. So it, it, it is a real conundrum and a lot of guys um, find that difficult. I know that from that perspective. And I also know from the perspective of men trying to work less, I, I saw a study on the ABC News website a little while ago that suggested men were much more likely to be refused uh, request for flexible work. So I think workplaces need to change. And I'm actually quite excited about the potential with this whole coronavirus thing and a lot of people working from home. Um, I think this might give us a bit of an opportunity to be a bit more flexible. I think there's some dads out there who might have been really looking for that working from home opportunity, but it's been denied. 
you know, and, and bosses saying things like, oh, oh, that's for women, that flexible work. And it's like, well, if we want equality, if we want women in the workplace, I think men need to be able to have the flexibility to step out of the workplace. Um, so that's, that's uh, a really difficult as well. Um, but to me, you know, I, was, I was lucky enough to, to work for myself and Sarah was working for herself. And so when it came to that kind of point, it was really easy for me. I just dropped eight hours off my working week and was living the dream. Like I work less, I get more time with the kids. Um, what, what's not to like? Um, unless when you, when you consider, like I said before, like a lot of men derive their sense of identity and purpose from, from being the breadwinner. Um, and when, when that's taken away from us, when we go back to four, four days a week or three days a week, it's like, we're less likely to get a promotion. We're less likely to do all of those kind of things. But um, yeah, I, I think really it's about connecting with what's important. Family is the most important and my relationship is hugely important. Why would I not support her or like you said, potentially him to get back into the workplace as well? So it's, it's about being a, bit, a little bit less self-focused and more focused on what's the best, what's the best for the family holistically, not just the bottom line and, and paying the mortgage. Loving this podcast? Check out our books at newbornmothers.com. Nourishing Newborn Mothers is a recipe book to nourish your mind, body and soul after childbirth. And my second book, Newborn Mothers, was a bestseller. I know, I can't believe it either. It's about baby brain, village building and how to find happiness in 21st century parenting. You can get the first chapter free of both books at newbornmothers.com books. Yeah, so what I'm hearing from you basically is exactly the way that we support women is the way that we support men, which is we just need to give them the space to have those conversations and reflect on, you know, conditioning and what they really want and, you know, where they feel stuck. Um, you know, because it's primarily what we do as doulas is we just listen to mums, <laughs> you know, and that sounds like you're not really doing much, but it can be very profound just to have someone to affirm how you're feeling and, um, you know, that can be really life-changing. Totally. And I think if the suggestion first comes up, oh, I want to go back to work and I want you to go back to working part-time or drop one day of work, a man who's never spent large amounts of time, you know, holding a child, changing nappies, feeding, doing all of those things is going to go from this place where he feels, feels really competent and valued and all those things to this really foreign world of like, I've, ha- I've hung out with this, with this baby for three hours. How on earth could I do eight or nine hours while you're going to spend a whole day at work? And so I think sitting with him and going, you can do this because you're an amazing dad and, and you have a lot of caring, nurturing strengths within you. Um, let's value the father. We, I, I really don't think we're valuing as a society, we're valuing fatherhood. I don't think we value motherhood either. I don't think we value parenthood, um, but we certainly no. don't value, value fatherhood. And, and I think really that's the way in for a lot of guys. Like I, I know that you can be an amazing dad. They'll, they might start to think, oh, maybe, maybe I can be. Uh, yeah, I really agree. I think what we do with motherhood is we don't value mothers, but we sort of deify the concept of motherhood it becomes this like impossible unachievable goal you know and that's problematic in itself whereas fatherhood doesn't even exist it's not we don't even have any idea of what that looks like um there are some concepts like if you look in the mainstream media there's like there's homer simpson there's there's the goofy dad who who doesn't really know you know dad bodies dad bods all, all these sort of concepts around being a dad, which are pretty lame. Whereas you, you compare that to like, what kind of father do I want to be? You ask men that question, they'll be like, oh, 
I want to be reliable. I want to be dependable. I, most men will say they want to be caring and nurturing and, and nourishing, but it's, um, it's not really a, uh, necessarily a, a valued role in our society, the, the caring father. No, so what we kind of need to do is bring them back together. We've got like the deified mothers and the vilified fathers. Actually, we're all just human and we all stuff up and we're all doing our best and we all need support and we're all learning as we go, you know. So just evening that playing field and, and losing the stereotypes I think is really important. I reckon hugely. The other thing that you reminded me of is often I'll talk to mums about this idea of do you trust your husband do you trust your partner because sometimes mums will be like oh I went I, when I go out the, and I leave the baby with the dad um, the baby cries and cries and cries you know is, is that a bad thing and I'm like well not necessarily because if you're upset about something and your partner is has got his arm around your shoulder is making you a cup of tea that's different than if you're upset about something and there's no one there for you. So yep. in a way, if you trust your husband with your big emotions, why not trust your husband with your baby's big emotions also? Yeah, I, I love that. I think, I think there's definitely something from, from mums trusting dads. And, and I think there's another big one in dads trusting themselves. I think yeah. knowing, knowing that we have that within us and going back to that sort of conditioning again, we're kind of, you know, tricked into thinking that's, that's not for us. But when you ask a bloke, you know, when was a time when you were really super caring and really there for someone who was struggling? Every guy's got a story of that. Every, every man has a story of, by the time you reach the age where you're, you know, ready to have a kid, you've, you've been there for someone, whether it's a, a partner or a mate or your, your dad or your mum or whomever. We all, we all have that within us. It's just not necessarily a muscle that we're, encouraged to to flex and when we're left alone with a child it's you know it can be difficult in the start but we find that I, I think we really do find that that part of ourselves well yeah and you definitely do and this is what I love about a lot of the brain research that's coming out about parenthood now is that they're finding that you know although we thought that a lot of parenting was biological the mother has the boobs the mother has the uterus you know she has the hormone reactions and that kind of thing but in fact what we're learning is a lot of the brain changes are triggered by hands-on parenting so you know if a mother gives birth and then gives that baby up for adoption for example or a surrogate a surrogacy then that mother is not going to have the same brain changes as you know as a parent who continues to parent so the same thing happens for dads if a dad is not hands-on with a baby then no he doesn't get a chance to exercise those caring muscles you know but the more time a parent sp spends with a baby of any gender and they don't have to be genetically related it could be a grandparent or an uncle or anyone mm -hmm. but the more time you spend with a baby the more bonded you become you know and the more your brain will visibly show actual changes yeah yeah huge i think that's massive and just just yeah like you said the time obviously builds the hormones and and um allows us to find that 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 caring part of ourselves and the other thing is is um connecting with other men as well there's there are not a lot of great sort of dad's groups around so i think the advice for men is to make one to find one and it might not be a dad's group necessarily and, and it might not be, you know, us all sitting in a circle talking about our feelings. We might just go and play basketball once a, once a week. But after our game, we sit down and we just, we properly check in, you know, how's work going? How's parenting going? How are you going with your partner? How's your, you know, physical health going? It's like the more ways we can find to be having those proper conversations. So 
yeah, I'm really, um, really passionate about blokes finding support from each other because the more we can support each other, the less we're reliant on one person, our romantic partner, for all of our emotional needs. Uh, so that's what I really see the, the benefit of, of men's groups. Yeah, I love it. You've reminded me of someone who I really need to reach out to, but who I met at that Becoming Father event that you ran. And he'd started his own father's group. I was going to invite him on the podcast too. So I'll have to reach out to him about how he started his own father's group because it, it's kind of a bit daunting to just like start something, isn't it? But his story was really inspiring. Yeah, totally. And, and look, I, I'm working on, at Good Blokes Co, I'm working on resources. One, one of my big things I'm trying to create in this coronavirus downtime is a how to run a men's group course or how to run a dad's group course so guys can come online and they can learn okay how do i get my mates to actually connect at a at a deeper level because we talk about those three levels of connection there's the fun friendly connection and then there's the deeper emotional connection and then there's the connection you know of a community to to being part of something meaningful and so how do i drag men from that fun friendly connection into that that deeper emotional i've got you're my mate and i've got your back kind of a, a friendship so you know, stay, stay tuned. I'm, I'm trying to create something. Yeah, no, I'm very interested. We'll definitely have to stay in touch about that. The yeah. other thing I wanted to ask you is you said, I think before we hit record, that you were working on some corporate programs again. So we're just while we, talk, we were talking about work, I was thinking what kind of corporate programs are you thinking might work to help workplaces, you know, respect fathers more, basically, as fathers, yeah. not just as workers. Yeah, well, that, that's less sort of specific masculinity focused, um, more based on, you know, the work I do in schools is around building social emotional learning. Um, and, and that's primarily with boys. So it links into this whole men's business thing. But the, the skills we use there are quite applicable in the, in the corporate space. So I'm creating programs of taking corporate groups into the bush for a couple of days to connect more deeply. To base, basically, the heart of it is to, to build more kind and caring workplaces because when we're better socially connected, when we have social intelligence and emotional intelligence, our, our performance at work is actually much better. So uh, I'm, I'm worry, wondering whether that links into the, to the idea of creating more flexible workspaces which allow people to be, be happier in their family lives as well. So I'm just toying with a bunch of ideas there around, around building better connections at, at work and, you know, surely if we, we understand each other better, then we're more, we're more uh, willing to, you know, give a bloke a day off so he can be a dad, you know? Oh, totally. You know, I think you're totally onto something because when you were saying earlier about moving men into that deeper level of connection and the thing you said was, I've got your back. So if you mm -hmm. can do that in workplaces where, you know, the boss has got people's back, not, not as like trying to treat them as commodities, um, yeah, that's a very different environment to go and ask for parental leave in, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. And, and just going back to that, I've got your back statement around men. It's like we value, you know, you talk about us, us, you know, deifying mothers, putting mothers on this pedestal. Well, mateship is one of those concepts as well. We value mateship really highly in this country. But look at the quality of our mateships. Like are our mates actually really able to look after each other. Where, where are our mates when, when our marriage is falling apart? Where, where are our mates when we're becoming a bit sort of aggressive and, and, and violent as men? Like where are our mates holding each other to, to account and supporting each other when we're falling apart? So, so you know, redefining what we mean by being a, a good mate. Yeah, so, yeah. I think that's great. We were, we were just reflecting on this last night because Dylan was noticing that with all of our friends who've, um, the couples have broken up, 
because we're at that age now, you know, people have had their kids and now they're getting divorced. Mm. And we were reflecting that we've nearly all always stayed in touch with the woman and not with the man. Um, yeah. And that's a bit crap, isn't it? Yeah, it, it's, it sucks for men and, and there's stats around what the, you know, I would argue it's not just after the fact as well. It's like if that, if that man had better, better mateships in his life, he might have had a richer emotional life and might have been more potentially available for the, I'm not saying it was his fault, the divorce or anything, but, um, you know, I, I wonder if we're really supporting men in, in the, way that, the way that we could be. But, yeah, I think that's a, a natural reaction to be more connected with the mums and, and men tend to get more and more isolated. Men in their 20s on average have three, four, five mates in their 30s, two or three mates in their 40s, one or two mates in their 50s. We're lucky to have one good mate. Any, yeah. Yeah, that's really sad. That's really sad, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so, okay, the last topic I just wanted to touch on before we close out is, uh, yeah, gay dads. So if you, do you have any experience or knowledge of how it might be different in a family where there's two dads than... Um, where there's a, a mum and a dad, does that impact the way that men become fathers? Yeah, it's a really interesting question and it, it's not an area of expertise. I know I've had plenty of uh, gay guys in programs that I've run, but not I haven't had a lot of conversations around fatherhood with, uh, with gay guys or, or guys in same-sex relationships. So, yeah, look, I, I imagine and I'm speaking sort of hypothetically here, but I imagine those same pressures would apply to, to gay men because they're still men and they still feel this, this pressure. Certainly uh, gay guys that I've worked with still feel this pressure to, to be, be a man, yeah. be a man, to be tough, to work hard, to do all of those things. Um, so yeah, I think you've got potentially two guys who are struggling with that, that uh, getting that balance right between having a job, having a career that, that is fulfilling and you know being emotionally available at home so yeah probably i guess what fun. i guess what doesn't exist though is the um the out like if you've got two dads who are both struggling yeah. with that together then you can't just go oh well the mum will sort it out you know yeah, yeah. you've actually got to figure it out <laughs> no easy excuse <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah okay that's interesting thank you so much is there anything else you want to share like is there anything that you feel like every dad should know well, every man should know before he becomes a dad or maybe if a dad's struggling, you know, what's like the one thing that, that everyone should know? Well, I've, I think the one thing that men should know is, is that it's hard and it's supposed to be hard and everyone finds it hard, but pretty much blokes aren't talking about it. So that's the, that's the real thing that I'd like blokes to have more of or, or to do is to connect more. And, and the way to build connections with men is to actually open up. Um, call a mate and say, hey, I'm really struggling. Can I talk about this? Because there's a fair chance that he might have something that he's struggling with that he wants to talk about as well. So I just think really the big thing is acknowledging that it can be difficult for men, for, for doulas, for midwives, for, uh, for wives, for um, male partners, for everyone to, to realise that men actually find this hard, this whole parenting thing. And, and when we create spaces for them to actually talk about what's going on for them, they, they start to find their own sort of level of confidence and to, to identify that, that real fatherly part of themselves and come up with a bit of a vision for the kind of father I want to be and just build more connections. Just get connected. Start a dad's group. Do it. I love it because you could almost relate, uh, re exchange father for mother in that whole thing that you just said and yeah. it would still be true. Yeah. <laughs> so, so ultimately what it comes down to is we're all human. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and the big difference for me is that mum's groups exist. 
But dads yeah. don't. And, the, and they won't exist unless men make them happen. Yeah, so. exactly. Why do you think there's mum's groups? Because, yeah, mum started them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, and probably because women are socialised more to um, value and and invest in relationships and men aren't socialized in that way. So, you know, you've got to kind of go against a few of those stereotypes and yeah. Yeah. Men get, men get that advice to be, you know, be the lone wolf and and be independent and and that will not help you as a father. That will not help you to become the kind of father you want to be. You've got to, you've got to reach out, you've got to connect and, and, you know, starting a dad's group for the benefit of everyone else in all the other men in your circle or in your community will actually be super beneficial for you. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, I love that. And, and that's why I often tell mums, actually, you think you're doing it for yourself, but you'll also be doing it for everyone else who yeah. wasn't brave enough or didn't have the capacity totally. to, to start something, you know, so. And vice versa, because men, men aren't likely to do a lot of caring things for themselves uh, but they might do it for other men in their community. Mm. So go forth and do it, do it for the good of the community. And yeah, like, do it, do it for your mates. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I love it. So anyone who's interested can find Mike at goodblokes.co. You're based in Perth and do lots of camps and retreats, but it sounds like you're doing a little bit or considering doing a little bit of online stuff as well. Yeah. It's not my natural, uh, uh, environment online but uh, i think it's time for me to start to create some uh, create a bit of content uh, so yes i can't see a blog on your website so you're gonna have to start with that <laughs> yeah they can find me on the on the instagram i do a bit of talking about what it means to me on insta and, and facebook to give people a bit of an idea of what i'm all about um, yeah so. i love your little memes you always have really good like prompt questions and um yep. photos and things like that so get people to think a bit differently about this whole concept of manhood Yeah, that's awesome. All right, thanks so much, Mike. Thanks for having me on. Great to chat. See ya. Cheers. Here at Newborn Mothers, we believe that every family has the right to high-quality postpartum care. If you want to join us, learn more at newbornmothers.com. And if you like this podcast, we'd really love you to leave us a five-star review and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts.